It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey everybody, welcome into another Pipeline Podcast. Tim McMaster here along with MLB Pipeline's Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo as always. Lots to get to on the podcast this week. The Rookies of the Year were announced this week, so we're going to look ahead to 2019. Who are some of the Rookie of the Year candidates going forward and looking ahead to next year? Also, Major League Baseball and USA Baseball have come together to create the PDP League for next year. We'll talk about a bit about that and what that means But we're going to start with what we've talked a lot about the last few podcasts, and that is the Arizona Fall League. And we are joined by a guy who has really been one of the stars of the Fall League here in 2018, Keston Hiera, Brewers' number one prospect, number 30 in the current Pipeline Top 100. Keston, thanks so much for taking some time. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, Keston, I guess my first question for you is the RBI numbers in the AFL for you out of control. I mean, obviously the batting average is great, but just talk about your ability this fall to really drive in runs. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, during the season, um, I think I almost, actually I almost have the same amount of RBI as I do now in the season, but, um, you know, there's a lot of times where I didn't capitalize on opportunities of runners on base. Um, even, you know, run on third, just getting him home, whether it's a you know, ground ball or a sack fly. So uh, definitely, you know, here over in the AFL, um, you know, that was a big goal of mine to be able to, you know, bring those runs in. Um, you know, and it helps, too, when you have a bunch of talented guys always getting on base for you. So um, so a lot of it's, you know, part of them and, uh, you know, giving me the opportunity to do that. Keston, uh, Jim Callis here. And you know, last year, Peoria had this talent-laden lineup uh, that steamrolled to the league title. I think they, at one point they could run out lineups with seven first-round picks, and they didn't even include Ronald Acuna. And this year you guys, again, have the best record in the league, one of the deepest lineups in the league. Just, and, you know, very, a lot of very talented guys on your club. Who are the, like, maybe one or two players who really stuck out the most, you know, just being able to watch them on a daily basis that really impressed you? Yeah, like you said, um, you know, we have a great group of guys here, and, they're, you know, they're all really, really talented. And, you know, like you said, we have a lot of depth. So, um, you know, given when guys have off days, the, the people that come in are, you know, just capable of doing the job. Um, you know, a couple of players that, you know, come to mind that, you know, really impressed me this fall, uh, Lucius Fox and um, Evan White. Uh, you know, I played with Evan White a couple of years ago with Team USA um, over in uh, Taiwan, Japan, and Cuba. Um, so it's been, you know, a couple of years since I've seen him. But, you know, his ability to do it uh, defensively and offensively, um, you know, has been really impressive and, you know, it really shows, you know, how, um, you know, he, he truly is a goal glover at first base. And, um, but, you know, he can also do with the bat, which, you know, a lot of people, you know, you don't give him a lot of credit for. Uh, Keston, it's uh, Jonathan Mayo. Uh, we talked to that opening week of the season, and uh, I know the other guys are, you know, they're, they're going on and on about your RBI total. But I know you drove seven runs in the first two games, so, you know, you, you've slowed down, I think. Um, <laughs> after the fall, he's gone. I'm, I'm just kidding. I, I wanted to ask you just, uh, obviously, you're, you're 
uh, more and more removed from the, the elbow trouble that kept you from playing defensively. How are you feeling in terms of, of your arm and how you're throwing and, and all the reps that you've been getting defensively? You know, your offense speaks for itself uh, uh, with the numbers you put up this fall, but how, how much has it been a benefit for you to extend your season and really uh, get a lot more time at, at second base? Yeah, so, um, you know, I was really fortunate for pretty much this whole last season. Um, you know, I played healthy and uh, I didn't have any arm problems at all. My arm felt good. Um, honestly, I didn't have much arm soreness either, so I was pretty hyped about that. Um, but, you know, right now it still feels really good. Um, and I'm glad to be able to get more reps at second base, uh, you know, especially off uh, you know, a bunch of premier bats as well. So um, that was a big reason why, you know, uh, what I wanted to get out of this, you know, folly was to get more reps at second base. Uh, you make a bunch of different throws from you know different parts of the field, and um, you know challenge myself. So I think you know that uh, would one my goals, and um, you know, I'm happy with you know, how I've done so far. Keston, obviously the fall league is first and foremost the development league, like the minor leagues are also. But how much you know pride do you guys take in? I mean, you guys have kind of run away with the West Division title. I think you clinched with about ten games to play, and you're getting a chance to play for a championship. What would winning an Arizona Fall League championship mean to you? Oh, it mean a lot because um, you know, anytime you're you know placed with a bunch of different players from uh, you know different organizations, or you're not really you know used to playing with them, so you don't really know what to expect. Um, so it really, I think I really you know testifies to what type of players. Uh, you know, everyone on the Peoria team is. Um, you know, everyone got, gets along really well, and we just keep the atmosphere loose and have fun with it. Um, you know, they're they're all really talented players, so we we all we're all excited for each other. Then um, I kind of just changes the game or the mood of the game. You know, every time we go out there, and you know, know that we have a you know, chance to win every game. Yeah, Captain, you made it to uh, to Double A in your first full season, and then you, you had this time in the fall league, so you, you've gotten a, a pretty good excuse me, of what the, you know, advanced levels, higher levels are, are like. Uh, what are your takeaways from both your time in the Southern League and now in the Fall League that you think will help you sort of going into next year to to put the finishing touches on, on getting you up to Milwaukee? Uh, I think it's just more about learning about myself. Um, I think more often it was just learning, you know, first full season, understanding my body, understanding, um, you know, what, you know, pitchers are trying to do because, you know, when people see you for a whole year, even half a year, you know, they kind of understand how to pitch you and, um, you know, how to get you out. So I think that was like a big takeaway from, you know, this past season was just understanding, um, you know, myself as a player more and uh, learning from my mistakes and, um, you know, what I need to work on and, and so forth. Keston, when you're in the fall league, obviously you're focusing on, on trying to get better and, and do what it takes to, you know, eventually get to the big leagues. Well, while the playoffs were going on, how much were you monitoring what the big league brewers were doing? Was that something you were you were trying to keep an eye on? Uh, I know I was at a game, and I was getting ready to go on the field, and I was sitting next to J.B. Pekoskis, and he was monitoring the Astros on his phone while he was, uh, I guess, supposed to be charting pitches also. Were you keeping tabs mm-hmm. on what the brewers were doing and how close they got to the World Series? Oh, yeah. I was watching every single game, every single inning. It was, it's exciting. Um even though uh, you know you know with the team, um, being able to play with them, you know this last spring and uh, getting to know a bunch of the guys, it, it's definitely a lot of fun to watch, and you can't help but you know cheer for for them to do well. And um, I think just in general, like um, you know all the Brewers players and even you know some of the other players, you know, we're all kind of you know rooting for them. And um, you know they they had a really great season, and 
Um, you know, the way they finish the season and, you know, how they perform in playoffs is uh, definitely a lot of fun to watch. And, um, you know, it, I couldn't help but watch. <laughs> yeah, the future is certainly bright for the Milwaukee Brewers. Keston, we like to finish up these interviews with our fastball segment. So these are um, short answers, kind of rapid-fire questions for you. Are you ready? I, I think so. Let's do it. All right, here we go. Current major league pitcher that you would most be excited to face? Uh, I grew up a Dodgers fan, so Quinn Kershaw. All right, that's a good one. All right, you played for UC Irvine in college. They are the anteaters, so this one is multiple question or multiple choice. How many insects can an anteater eat in a single day? 10,000, 20,000, or 30,000? Ooh, uh, I'm going to go 30. You are correct. Good stuff. Uh, See, UC Irvine coming through. All right, counting your AFL Peoria team right now, you've really basically been on five teams in the last year and a half with Rookie League in Wisconsin, Carolina, Biloxi, Peoria. What's your standard line when you meet a new teammate? Because you've met a lot of them. Um, I kind of just uh, introduce myself and just say, how's it going, Keston, uh, in California? And just go along with that. It's kind of a little conversation starter because I feel like a lot of people uh, can relate to California. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. All right, we're going to go back to the animal realm now. You're playing for the Peoria Javelinas. What is a javelina? It is a pig. I actually uh, I went golfing a couple weeks ago, and uh, there was actually a, a pack of them. There, uh, there's like five or six of them, and I didn't know how you know kind of like you know, vicious and uh, how fast they were. They they kind of booked it across the course, so it was, it was definitely kind of cool to see. That's good stuff. And my, most people don't even know what one is. You've seen one. Very good. You're making the most of your time in Arizona. Uh, you have a unique swing. You have a toe tap and a leg kick kind of built in there. Is there a particular player or someone that you pick that up from? Uh, no, not really. I mean, in high school, I always had a toe tap. And then um, for some reason, I kind of bought into you know, leg kicks kind of equal to more power. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to incorporate this into my You know, see the work in. Uh, powered my way for my senior year and uh, continued through, uh, throughout college. It's certainly working. Has anyone ever tried to talk you out of it? Uh, they have not. They have not. So I'm kind of happy about that. But, uh, but yeah, like, it's a little unorthodox, but you know, if it works, uh, you know, I'm happy with it. All right. Great stuff. Thanks, Keston. Good luck the rest of the week in the Arizona Fall League Championship game coming up on Saturday. Thanks a lot for joining us. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. That was Keston Hura, Brewers' number one prospect, number 30, as I mentioned, in the top 100. That Peoria team is rolling in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, 20 wins so far with a couple of games to go. They've already locked up a spot in the championship game on Saturday. Jim, you're still out there. What has stood out the most to you over the course of this Fall League about this Peoria team? You know, it's funny because last year, we, I mean, kind of one of the themes was how talented that team was. Like, you know, one of the most, ta- probably the most talented team I've seen out here, at least in the last decade or so. And this year's team can, can kind of give it a run for its money. I mean, it's, it's, almost, it's almost as loaded as last year's team was. It actually has a better record. It, it, the, I think they are on pace. I was looking through the media guide yesterday to have the best winning percentage in the league. Uh, in at least seven or eight years, and if they win their last couple games, it'll it'll go back further than that. But I mean, they're just, you know, like Keston said, very deep. Even you know, you don't play a set lineup out here, you know, because everybody needs to play, and there's kind of complicated schedules for making sure who plays when. And even when their their best guys aren't, you know, in the lineup, you know, they, they still you know can put up big numbers. I mean, I'm just looking at the roster right now. 
I mean, they've got, you know, Joe McCarthy just went home today. But, you know, before that, I mean, they had five really capable outfielders. You know, he mentioned Lucius Fox and Evan White in the infield. Hudson Potts is a, a first-round pick as well in that infield. I think Braxton Davidson was a first-round pick uh, as well. And, and they've got, you know, one of the better offensive catchers in the league in Austin Allen. And, you know, Ronaldo Hernandez, the guy they added late, is one of the better sleeper catchers in, in, in baseball, catching prospects. So it's just a very, very deep lineup, and the pitching's been pretty effective. I think the bullpen stands out a little bit more than the rotation. Jonathan, back to Keston specifically. Uh, you knew coming out of UC Irvine that he was going to be able to hit. The only questions around the draft I know were about the elbow, which he was able to rehab instead of having to go through Tommy John surgery. Um, but as good a hitter as, as you guys kind of knew he was, has he even impressed you more? Has he surprised you with how well and how quickly he's moved up a ladder and, and been able to hit at the professional level? Uh, you know, maybe it's just because we had such high expectations. I, I actually don't uh, – he's exactly where I might have guessed he would be if everything went well, you know, making it to double-A in his first full season, uh, having, you know, a productive, you know, first full year. Uh, you know, he absolutely raked in the Carolina League, uh, you know, took a little while for him to adjust to double-A, and then he finished really strongly. I mean, overall, had, had a good year. And, and hitting in the fall league is, is not a surprise. Uh, you know, there's no wonder no one's tried to talk him out of the toe-tap and leg kick because it, it basically <laughs> works. Uh, I, I think the one thing that, you know, might be, you know, a little surprising, and I think it shows that there's still room for growth, is that his kind of overall approach at the plate uh, you know, he had uh, 36 walks and 103 strikeouts in 123 games in his first full season. Um, I, I think that there's probably more for him uh, to improve uh, in, in that way. And even in the fall, he gets six walks, 25 strikeouts. I have a feeling that that walk rate will go up some, and the strikeout rate will you know, come down a little bit. Not that it's terribly high. Uh, he's such a, a good natural hitter that it doesn't really matter. But I could see that improving, and that might help him get you know into better hitters counts and 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 show even uh, even more power. Uh, he's not joking that his his RBI total in the fall league is not that far beyond what he did for for the entire year in his first full season. But I don't think it's that surprising. He was the kind of advanced college hitter who I, we both thought could move quickly and make it to the upper levels and and possibly be in line for for making it up to Milwaukee if there's an opportunity some point in his second full season of pro ball. It's kind of interesting because there was an opportunity for a second baseman in Milwaukee this year, and he obviously wasn't quite ready. But, Jim, how is the defense right now? Um, It's okay. I mean, not that, you know, he's a finished product by any means and that you can draw a definitive conclusion. Uh, you know, I think just from talking to scouts, you know, he's going to be, you know, average at best. You know, I think he plays it well enough to stay there. I don't think he's necessarily going to be a, an asset defensively, but I also don't think he's going to be a liability. I mean, we're talking about a team that, that you know, credit to him that he was able to play the position. They used Travis Shaw at second base a decent right. amount this year, and he's not a classic second baseman. But I, I don't think there's any question that, that, that here is going to, you know, if, if he gives you nothing with a glove, let's just say he's break even with a glove, he's still going to be an all-star caliber player because he's the type of guy who's going to contend for batting titles. And while, you know, the, Jonathan's right, I mean, the pure hitting ability, you know, is probably second in the league only to Vlad Guerrero Jr. Uh, you know, the, the power, I think, it's overlooked because the pure hitting ability is so good. I mean, it's definitely hit over power, but we might be talking, you know, 20-plus home runs and a slew of doubles, too. I, I think he's just going to be a, 
an offensive machine. Um, you know, he just needs, I think, to polish up the defense a little bit more, and, and we could see him at some point, you know, maybe in the second half next year. The Arizona Fall League is great players from different organizations being meshed together, five teams per Arizona Fall League team. So when you get to a championship game, what's the feel, Jonathan? I mean, by this time, these guys have been together for a while over the course of the fall down there in Arizona playing day in and day out. So, I mean, they want to win a championship, right, even though it's an AFL? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the it is low-key, and you're not playing every day, and you're working on things, and everyone is loose and having a good time. And, uh, you know, it, it's been a while since I've been out for a championship game. The way our schedule has worked, Jim has tended to be the one who, who covers it. Um, but, I mean, even during the, during the regular season, you've seen video of some of the walk-offs. So you would think that it was, you know, uh, an important uh, playoff game or something like that. Then you get to the championship game, and these guys, you know, have been competing at a high level for a really, really long time in their baseball lives. Uh, even if their pro careers are, you know, are really just getting started, uh, they really only know how to go out and try to win. Like uh, to go out and play a game when you're keeping score and, and not caring. Um, you know, maybe they don't carry a loss home with them in the fall league like they might once they get to the big leagues. Uh, but uh, you know. Of all the years that I've been in the championship game, and Jim, I'm, I'm sure you would sort of echo the, the, the same sentiment, they, they, they want to win. You get a ring for this, it, uh, it, it matters to them. And you can even talk to guys after the fact, and they will look back that if they were on a, a folly championship team, it, it, it's really meaningful for them. Yeah, I mean, I think with these guys, it's hard to turn off the switch, too. Like, if you're, I mean, yes, your individual is trying to get to the big league, but for these guys, when they're on the, you know, between the white lines, they're competing. They want to do well, you know, especially that championship game. It's on national TV, and, and most of these guys, you know, maybe played on national TV a time or two, but, you know, when all your friends and family are able to watch you, you want to look pretty good, too. And, you know, you know you're right, guys do take pride. I mean, you get a ring. I think there's a little financial incentive too, like there was in the Fall Stars game, um, and the guys don't mind that either. And you know, it's you know, I mean, I think the basic sentiment is, you know, you talk to guys this week, and they'll admit they're pretty tired because you know, even if you're in the big leagues, you aren't usually playing this long. Most of these guys got to spring training in early February, you know, but they they see it as you know a necessary development step, and, and they're dragging a little bit. But if you're going to be here you know, through the end of the regular season on Thursday, you know, why not stay here two more days and try to win a championship? So the guy, it is kind of cool to see these guys, you know, who, you know, you know, you know, maybe 20% of your teammates because they're from your organization. And maybe you've, you know, like, you know, Keston talked about crossing paths with Evan White on Team USA. You might know a couple other guys, but basically you're throwing, you know, 35 guys together and, you know, you kind of form bonds over six week period. And, and, you know, I've been – I don't know how many championship games I've covered in a row. I think I've covered the last five. And, I mean, you, it's, it's real excitement when these guys win the title. All right. The Rookie of the Year awards were given out on Monday. Ronald Acuna Jr. taking it in the National League. Shohei Otani in the American League. Um, so we thought it was a good opportunity to look ahead to 2019 and who could be the Rookies of the Year going forward now. On this list, Keston Hura is one of them, and, and guys we talk about all the time. So let's start in the National League. Jonathan, you wrote this article. I know you got some input from the Pipeline crew, um, but National League 2019 Rookie of the Year, who do you like? Well, you know, I think the toughest thing was, was trying to figure out which Braves pitcher to put on. Um, <laughs> so I won't pick the one who I put on there, Tukey Toussaint, but 
to me, Peter Alonso is the guy who uh, makes uh, a, a lot of sense. Obviously, Mets fans were really clamoring for him to, to be up in the big leagues this year, uh, this past year, and it didn't happen. Uh, you know, the one question will be is where, they, where and how they find room for him uh, at, at first base. He can't play any place else. You've got Dom Smith. I guess there's talk of non-tendering Wilmer Flores. Maybe that would create some room. Uh, I know that the, the new front office has said publicly that they're not opposed to having Alonzo in, in the big leagues to start the year. He's ready to, to show how that, that power swing uh, is, is going to work in New York. Obviously tied for the minor league lead in homers and and uh, won the, the RBI title uh, during the season. He's hit some more homers and driven in more runs uh, in the fall league. Uh, you know, so I think he should get a uh, an opportunity, and I think that the power is going to play and should automatically make him a, a legitimate rookie of the year candidate next year. Jim, what do you got? I'm going to go. It's interesting because I think that that race is is wide open because there's so many good candidates. You know, we mentioned Keston uh, here uh, as well. I, to me, and I have a tough time picking one. I'm going to go with Brendan Rodgers because I think he's going to have the opportunity in Colorado with D.J. LeMahieu leaving, and Coors Field is a great place to hit. You know, I do wonder about his health a little bit because he was supposed to be here in the fall league and he wasn't able to come with a shoulder injury. Um, but assuming he's healthy, I would give him the edge. If he's banged up, I might lean to Victor Robles because I, I think he's a good bet to hit. I think he'll contribute all around. Although if Bryce Harper does return to Washington, you know, playing time might not be easy to come come to him right away. Yeah, certainly. And there's always somebody who comes up and surprises. You think back to a year ago at this time, I don't think anybody would have been going with Juan Soto as a finalist for National League Rookie of the Year, not because he's not a great player on the way up, but because he started 2018 in low A ball. But he had a remarkable run to second place in the National League. All right, American League, Jim, I'll let you go first. You mentioned that it was wide open in the National League, not so much in the American League. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, I mean, you do have three of the best prospects in baseball. I think are gonna three of the best offensive prospects in baseball are gonna have everyday jobs. But I mean, the favorite's gonna be Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You know, I think I'm obligated to compare him to Miguel Cabrera again here since I just mentioned his name. Um, but you know, it, you know, he tore up the fall league. You know, kind of slumped a little bit in the second half of the fall league, like some guys do. Um, you know, Alonzo did also. I think Alonzo's still leading the league in homers, but he was. If I think he's five for his last 42, the guys get a little bit worn out. But, you know, I just think, you know, Guerrero's bat is special. And, you know, even though he's so young, I mean, I, I would think if he played fairly regularly, he's going to hit probably at least 280 with at least 20 home runs. But it'll be interesting because, I mean, there's some other guys who are very, very talented and they're at the top of the MLB pipeline, top 100, who are going to have pretty much everyday jobs waiting for him, Jonathan. Yeah, I mean, and I think the the, the obvious sort of 1A is, is Eloy Jimenez of the White Sox, uh, you know, not that far behind in the top 100. Had, uh, you know, if it weren't for the year that, that Vlad Guerrero had, uh, I think we probably would be talking more about the year that Jimenez had, 21, he made it to AAA, spent half the year in AAA, hit 337, and at a, an OPS uh, north of 950, uh, you know, the, the, the power is, is legit. He hits for average. Uh, you know, he fits the sort of corner outfield profile. And you look at the White Sox. I mean, they're they're rebuilding. Uh, they're starting to add you know the young pieces to to help them get better. And and there's 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 room for 
for Jimenez and, and one of the outfield corners, and he would be a huge upgrade over the production that they got at, at both outfield corners. So uh, I think it's going to be, you know, an interesting conversation to see, uh, you know, as the 2019 season goes along, to see how both of those guys and uh, Kyle Tucker is, a, is another one to throw in there. These young guys who should get opportunities. Uh, and, and and see what they're able to do with them uh, once they're playing every day at the big league level. Yeah, the one thing you need if you're going to be a rookie of the year is uh, is the opportunity for sure. You got to get the chance to play at some point in the first half of the season to make a run at it. Okay, one more topic to cover on the podcast this week, and that is the new agreement between Major League Baseball and USA Baseball to create the Prospect Development Pipeline League, the PDP League. Uh, PDP is something we've heard the last couple of years. There's been kind of events around the nation where it's invite only and some of the best uh, prep players in the country gather at these events and scouts can check them out and they get all their times uh, clocked and, and they get to hit, they get to field and all that sort of thing. But this is something completely different, um, and it seems like it's basically going to replace what was the Tournament of Stars and that it's going to go a long way in identifying who the players are for the under-18 national team as well. But it's going to be a long thing from what I understand. Jonathan, I'll start with you on this. Um, This is really going to give prep and high school players, it is invite only, but 80 players a chance to really concentrate in one place for a significant amount of time. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of benefits to this. And, yes, it, uh, it, it does ostensibly replace the Tournament of Stars, uh, which means one less trip to the Raleigh-Durham area. Uh, which, which makes us sad. Which is, yeah, which is, which is a little sad. I'll have to find another way to, uh, to get back. This will be at uh, IMG Academy in Bradenton, uh, largely because of the, of the facilities that they have there, uh, the ability to have the players sort of stay on campus, which USA Baseball cannot provide uh, at this time was a, a big reason why they decided this and yeah it's uh, you know the tournament of stars uh it was great because it, it allowed uh scouts and those who were evaluating for the 18 and under mm-hmm. national team multiple looks in game situations so this just kind of builds that out even more where you can really see players over a multi-week period uh and, and evaluate them that way so i think it's it's going to be great for USA Baseball. I think it's going to be great for all 30 teams uh, so they can have you know, really detailed looks, uh, longer looks than you'd ever have uh, of these players against a very high level of competition, uh, you know, uh, which, is, which is very exciting. And then on top of all of this, uh, they're going to have sort of a, a futures game of sorts, um, you know, I guess it would be more akin to like the Under Armour uh, All-American Game or the Perfect Game All-American Classic that will be played at some point uh, during All-Star Week. Maybe it'll be, be you know sandwiched in between that that home run derby early in the morning and the actual Futures Game on on the Sunday uh, of All-Star Weekend. Um, you know, that's sort of TBD at this point, uh, but that'll be an exciting thing for. Uh, the players to look forward to, and then for a, a, a larger national audience to be able to get to see. Yeah, this would be very cool, um, taking it to the next level with that. Another thing that's kind of different about this, Jim, um, in the past with the Tournament of Stars, you have the 18U kind of coaching staff for the most part run things and then some other people. But as part of this um Club representatives are going to be field coaches. There's going to be a lot of major league teams represented on the field with these players getting to work with these kids. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a way to, to you know, get to know the players even better. I mean, 
I don't think it's been any secret that MLB has been looking for ways to change the showcase circuit experience to some extent. I mean, that can be very expensive uh, from a, a cost of participation for the players just to sign up for these events and travel to them. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we've already seen the PDP program grow, number of events all over the country with that. And I just think MLB, I mean, this serves two purposes, really. It serves two purposes where, one, you know, you're, you're lessening the, the, the entry fee for some of these players to, to go to showcases. And, two, it just kind of cuts out the middleman and it allows – you know, MLB to run these showcases exactly how they want them run and to be more hands-on and to collect, you know, on-field data. And I, I think there's even, you know, some medical testing. It just it, it gives the teams more information and it gives, you know, in this case, you know, the, the cream of the crop, you know, a chance to really, you know, get to play in front of a huge audience without, you know, having to, to pay for that right. Jim, do you think this makes the U18 program even better? I mean, it's been pretty Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, similar to the, you know, I mean, it's different, but it's not that dissimilar from the Tournament of Stars. Um, you know, I think it's, you know, it's going to be lengthier. So, yeah, I mean, I think you'll, you'll have maybe even more information than you did previously. All right, good stuff, and it'll be certainly something exciting to check out this summer, and um, I'm sure you guys will be in some way uh, involved in making a trip at some point to IMG Academy to, to see the action down there in Florida. It'll be hot June and July, so uh, bring the sunscreen, Jonathan. Always. I never go anywhere with that, and, and, and my floppy hat. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Pipeline Podcast. For Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis, I'm Tim McMaster. Uh, check us out again next week.